Do you listen to this show every week? Then help ensure it's here to stay. You can do that by including Voice of San Diego in your estate plan. Call Iris Maggot for more details at 619-550-5664. Thank you for supporting the future of investigative journalism in San Diego. Thanks for joining us on the Voice of San Diego podcast in partnership with News Radio 600 Kogo. I am Scott Lewis, editor in chief at Voice. I'm joined as always by associate editor and not fisherman Andrew Keats. Hello. Hi. Sarah Libby, our managing editor, Oregon River enthusiast, and reality television authority. Sarah Libby. That's a great intro. Thank you. Uh, do you think you could battle Bill Walton in Oregon River trivia? I do. I would like the opportunity to try. I'm going to try it. We're going to set this up. That's my new plan. Coming up on the show today, there are a lot of fewer women on com- company boards in San Diego and California that you might expect, but a deadline is coming that should change that reality, or in theory would. Sandag had a big meeting recently. We've got some insight on what happened there and what didn't happen, more particularly. All of that is coming up. I did. I, I have to go to an event tonight, you guys. Okay. I'm moderating a panel for the uh, Partnership on the Advancement of New Americans. Pana. Pana. And it's about, and this gave me shudders when I was invited, redistricting. Oh. So That's back. Huh? Were either of you here in 2010? No. Okay. I was new. I knew only of it happening. I, I was not covering it. It was a nightmare. Yes. It was a nightmare. Midori Wong, who uh, ran the redistricting commission as the as the paid like executive of it, yes. she she came in under budget, got it all done, but it was it was. Grueling. I think it ruined public service for her. I think she was out after that. So at first, it was just this intense battle, fights all the time, uh, accusations, or you know, just dreadful public affairs, the worst of public affairs. And then all of a sudden, it got resolved. Like it, the the Republicans and Democrats were just like, "Oh, okay, we're done." Yeah, there comes a time during those things where everyone sort of just concedes that they were working the ref. It's like, yeah, well, we were arguing in bad faith. So uh, now we've gotten enough of what we uh, had were driving at. This was a bargaining exercise, not a real disagreement. And uh, we, we can move on now. So Panna is getting ready and obviously working for representation. So I, I wonder if now that the Democrats are in charge <laughs> and will have significant influence, they already have almost you could almost say pretty good chances to win like seven if not eight of the city council seats of the nine yeah and and so i think that we might start to see just like we are in the broader politics some bigger fights among democrats right absolutely definitely and that was a defining characteristic before too when you know various groups wanted to make sure they were represented on the city council and uh, that could get more fierce this time. So doing a little uh, workshop on how that works. I, I moderate for all kinds of different uh, groups out there. So I'll report back if anything interesting comes out. 
Before we get into all of the other things, though, I want to just say we have a little campaign going on at Voice. If you follow The Morning Report, that's our daily newsletter, you may have noticed we're asking people to share it with friends. We think more people would like to see what we're making here at Voice and what we find is interesting around the marketplace of ideas in San Diego. So same thing here for the podcast. If you like the show, please share it with your friends. Let them know how amazing I am. how uh, okay Andy is and how amazing Sarah is. We really believe more people want to hear about San Diego news. I'm serious. These We've worked really hard on this stuff. We're, we're friends. We're trying to make sure people understand how San Diego works and, and things that we investigate and find out. So anything you can do to share helps. Uh, just uh, send your friends to voiceofsandiego.org slash pod. Is that new? Pod? Thank you. Or however you like sharing podcasts, thank you very much. Okay, Wednesday, Assemblywoman Lorena Gonzalez's daughter, Tierra Gonzalez, tweeted a joke that was just a little too real right now. She said, quote, I hope whomever marries me is okay marrying into a blood feud against Rob Schneider. So this is back. It's back. We did it ever it, leave? It escalated quickly. <laughs> but yeah. Woo. All right, quick chronology. Lorena Gonzalez has been among the several Sacramento legislators who support more mandatory or sort of more uh, mandates from the government to get vaccinated or to have your kids vaccinated, right? Well, it's sort of like there's one mandate and then uh, we're just going to keep shoring it up right? as you yeah. find she's, ways she's around it. weeding out all the exemptions from the mandate. Right. So before it, it said you have to have your uh, your kids vaccinated to go to school uh, but you could have a personal belief exemption. Then they got rid of the police personal belief exemption. That's caused a bunch of fear. But now, as we've discovered with some of our reporting, there was a medical exemption that was kind of being, looks like maybe exploited too much, right? Yes. Okay. And so now they're trying to close that and make it so that, what's the last status of the bill now? That it would make it so that a board could overrule a doctor? No, they, yes. So originally they were going to move the power uh, to dole out the medical vaccines from doctors to this board. And now it just seems like a board will sort of have oversight and will conduct audits of, you know, the the exemptions that are handed out and kind of review the ones that have been handed out so far. So it's definitely been scaled back a little. And the thinking was that that would appeal to Gavin Newsom, who sort of expressed some hesitations about the bill. Yeah, kind of surprising, right? He came out and was a little more sympathetic to the crowd that's worried about vaccinations. So the government is basically saying we understand that there are exemptions from, from these that might be legitimate. Uh, we're not going to take those away from a doctor, your doctor necessarily, to, to do, but we will, we will review those. Yes. Okay, so that bill is going forward. It ended up at the Appropriations Committee where Lorena Gonzalez was going to move it to uh, the suspense file. I'm never yeah, going to understand that, so don't just try. A procedural. Okay. Thing. So she then opened it up for public comment and had a little bit of a quarrel with some of the people who wanted to make public comments over you know, certain minutes. Yes, to be clear, any time vaccines are whispered inside the halls of the Capitol, a swarm of opponents materializes to express their 
opinions about it. Right. And she uh, she said something like, I don't play. Like, we're not going to mess around with the rules and stuff like that. Anyway, that video goes viral among this community. And they just start torching her social media feeds. Like, a, she'd put a picture of her family and they just lit it. So she actually put up a picture once that just said, this is for you guys to comment on. And they had like 1,400 comments, like just torching her. And the really vicious stuff. Yeah, it's pretty gross. And so then this was all going along. And then Rob Schneider, he of SNL fame, Deuce Bigelow, Gigolo. Yes. What else is he famous for? Oh, uh, what's that one with... Uh, Sylvester Stallone, Judge Dredd, was that him? Oh yeah, he was in Judge Dredd. Yeah, it's probably his best. <laughs> Judge Dredd was classic. It's, it's a, a good take. It's a good film. <laughs> it's aged very well. So Rob Schneider, who had a feud with Lorena Gonzalez Schneider, a feud with her several years ago that was highlighted on HBO's Last Week Tonight. You can't make um, you can't make people do procedures that they don't want. The parents have to be the ones who make the decisions for what's best for my for for our kids. It can't be the government saying that. It's against the Nuremberg laws. Yes. That is Rob Schneider performing an impromptu rendition of his famous character, the annoying guy who is wrong. Because because despite his misunderstanding of among other things what the Nuremberg laws are and what constitutes acceptable headwear for a grown man. Schneider has spoken out against mandatory vaccines for years, even once calling this California State Assemblywoman to debate the issue, prompting her to post on Facebook, let's be honest, that is 20 minutes of my life I'll never get back, arguing that vaccines don't cause autism with Deuce Bigelow male gigolo. And yeah, sure, sure, it's funny. So this time, Nathan Fletcher, who wasn't in the picture uh, before, is now in. He challenged Schneider to another debate on NBC. NBC San Diego agreed to host this. We'll see if Deuce Bigelow can do it. Now, though, where does this bill go? So it's back before the Appropriations Committee uh, at the end of the month, which, again, is chaired by Lorena Gonzalez. But uh, in looking into this, I discovered something that might lift Rob Schneider's spirits which is that the committee is vice-chaired by a Republican whose name happens to be Bigelow. Put the symbols there, all right? <sighs> Speaking of which, what is a band without symbols? In San Diego, there are at least 20 public companies with zero women on their boards. Okay, you looked into this? Yes. What's going on? So the legislature passed a law, it was co-written by Tony Atkins last year, um, requiring publicly traded companies that are based in California to have at least one woman on their board. So this is a rule that some uh, countries have in Europe, but it was the first one in the United States. It was actually kind of interesting because when he signed the law, Jerry Brown admitted that he thought it was unconstitutional. Mm which is interesting. Um, he signed it anyway. It was right in the midst of the Brett Kavanaugh hearings, and so he said he was sort of making a point about is that, how... Is that what we'd call like saying the out loud part or the, the quiet part out loud? I don't think so. No. Okay. <laughs> it's just saying something. It's being vulnerable. Well, it would be... It's, it's odd. It makes me think he's almost inviting a legal challenge. Okay. Yeah, I think... 
it's almost certain that it will eventually be challenged. But for now, it's on the books, and the deadline is the end of the year to have one woman on your board. So um, in two more years, another deadline kicks at in. At least one woman. At, at least one woman right now. And then two years later, another deadline kicks in. And if you have a board of five or more people, you have to have more than one woman, mm-hmm. woman mm-hmm. on your board. Now, did any of these companies talk to you? <laughs> It may shock you to learn that they did not. No one wanted to talk about how they didn't have a woman on their board. Um, But I did get a few interesting uh, statements sent over in lieu of an interview. One uh, was from somebody who said, well, actually, we're going to go ahead and move to the East Coast. So we don't have to have a woman on our board. Now, this person swore up and down that it was because their parent company is in Germany and it was just to be closer to them. Mm -hmm. Can I just say I believe that for the simple reason that it's so much easier to just put a woman on the board than to relocate your company across the country. I have no reason not to believe it. It was just kind of funny. Well, you'd think they, yeah, you would think they might actually just say, we're still going to try for diversity. of course. Right. Even though it doesn't look like we have to conform to this law. Yes. Yeah, that's true. That is definitely true. And then another person- Because again, this is not an onerous regulation. This is an easy thing to do. You sure would think. um, I, for example, am available- (laughs) <laughs> yeah I'm around well a lot of these corporate boards especially public companies like that's a significant paid deal oh. too you get you get shares of the company you get per dms all that sort of thing but like there's a lot of women out there no there's I, also like, there's a lot of so, women who exist there's so True. many <laughs> like all over the place i see them yeah yeah there's <laughs> like a lot you run into them. California every day has i run into them yeah. so much and in this state, other states, <laughs> everywhere, there's like you should a try lot to avoid them. them so you don't run into them. They avoid me. Okay. <laughs> hey. <laughs> so another um, company told me, um, "Hey, actually, we just merged with Tesla, so we're not public anymore. Therefore, they too don't have to think about putting a woman on their board." So they were, you know, eager to tell have me a woman? that. Um, I don't know, but it's a private company, so right doesn't matter. Okay, well, thanks for Seems following like up on that. It would be newsworthy to me if Tesla didn't. That wouldn't necessarily be surprising, but it would be newsworthy. I will say, um, in painstakingly uh, looking up every single corporation in San Diego and seeing who was on their board, um, two insights come up. One is that there are a lot of men out there named Kim or Francis. Really? Or Lauren. <laughs> who yeah. turns out are not women. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> made it difficult. Yes, it made it difficult to look up each individual person to make sure every Kim was, was a woman or a man. Right. So that was a hoop I didn't expect to jump through. Um, also, shout out to Jack in the Box, which has a large share of women on their board. Oh, fascinating. Okay. Any, any others? Um, I mean, some boards are really big, so like, Biocom, for example, has like 40 people on their board. Yeah. So they have eight women, which is sort of a lot of women, but it's not a big share mm-hmm. relative to how big their board is. Hmm. Transit versus highways has been a source of tension at the San Diego Association of Governments. We've been watching it all summer, this sort of uh, uh, thing build. You wondered if it was going to really maybe rock the early tenure of Hassan Akrata, the executive director. 
So conservatives on the board of directors of San Diego Association of Governments wanted to stop Acrada's big five big moves plan. That's what it's called, right? Five big moves. Five big moving. Moving move five ways. They something five. That is a term that they use. Okay. Without question. Uh Big Five is also a sporting goods store. Is yeah, that right? Very affordable. That's also yeah. true. Great. Yes. They tried to do that. They set the up Big a Five m- is also the name of a loose conglomeration of uh, college basketball teams in the Philadelphia area that oh. are part of different conferences but compete against each other. Do they um, want to come to San Diego? No, they have nothing to do with this. Do they have moves? Yes. Basketball. Moves. Okay. They. <laughs> so these conservatives tried to derail Akrata's five big moves at a meeting last week. They wanted this meeting, set it up or got it done. Yeah. And they forced the meeting. Yeah. You went to the meeting. Yeah. And it's then a long one. the meeting, meeting happened, but nothing happened really at the meeting. Right. I think that's a fair way to characterize that. That is how I've characterized. So it. why, so yes. why did, did, so the, the, the facts are that Mayor Kevin Faulkner went in and said, Hey, let's just keep doing, let's support what he's doing. We still have to wait to see how it's going to go. And, Hey, okay, okay. We will work on congestion in the north and east counties. Yeah, he's. I mean, we've discussed on the show that the one of the issues that Hassan Akrada has been dealing with at Sandag for both to his benefit and to his detriment. I think you, you had this conversation with uh, Catherine Blakespear. Basically, that there has been a vagueness about what he's proposing that has allowed people to take from it whatever they want, whether that's positive or negative. And I think that that is what happened last week as well, which is, so Mayor Faulkner made this motion and said, let's continue down this path. Let's allow staff to continue working on the vision that they've sketched out. But then he made a motion that said, and we'll continue to prioritize uh, investment in the corridors that were some of these East County, North County corridors that the elected leaders from those areas thought that they were getting taken from them. Okay, so strip that off real quick. But well, but the but the thing is, like, if you had listened to any of the follow up interviews with Hassan Akrata, he had said that they were still going to do that anyway. Yeah, you know, they there was this disagreement where everybody was constantly talking past each other, and you know, Jim Desmond and Kristen Gaspar were th- saying. You're killing these projects that we've been promised. And he was saying, maybe I'm going to continue investing in them, but maybe the specific projects that had been proposed don't make sense anymore. But we're still going to to invest in those. He like he he never said, It's my plan to abandon transportation in North County or even to abandon freeways in North County. And so now this motion that Gaspar and Jim Desmond greeted as something of a compromise, to my reading, is perfectly consistent with what Akrata had already said. Which goes back to that point of like, it's so vague right now, you can read into it what you want. Whatever However, you want. my yeah. question is, what happened? Is that conservative North County, East County push losing steam? I think so, to some extent. And why? Well, one reason potentially is that this still is so far away for the same reason. Because this is still so early, because things are still so vague. I mean, 
nothing is changing in the short term, no matter what, anyway. They, they had nothing to really trigger off of, except for that congestion tax, which has been just barely mentioned, like a dynamic yeah. pricing structure for different highway lanes and stuff like that, that's been barely mentioned as an option. Yeah. That that was the one thing they wanted to hang onto, maybe, as like a real thing that they could outrage people with. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think they're still trying to with that. Right yeah, now. They, she tried to pass a motion to, to definitely oppose that, and they weren't willing to yet. Right. And so, but that's what they need. They need something red meat out there to cling on to. Otherwise, it's going to keep losing steam for a while, right? I think that's right. Yeah. Um, and, and so now there was one there was one piece of news, I guess, if you're following this very closely, which is, so yes, there was this discussion when the the whole concept was first pushed out there that mentioned congestion pricing or dynamic pricing. And because it was vague enough for everyone to glean from it whatever they wished, I think there were some transit advocates or environmentalists or urbanists who thought that maybe that might mean something like London's congestion pricing regime, where you, you yeah. actually had to pay money to enter the city center, which the city of New York is is pursuing as well. I think some people did, in fact, think maybe that's what he was talking about. And Kristen Gaspar questioned him about it, and he said specifically, what they did in London and what they're considering doing in New York is not what we are considering doing here. And But when she pushed him and said, well, I want you to take all of that off the table. And he said, I'm not willing to take anything off the table. We need to have all of the, our tools available to potentially meet whatever mandates come before us in the future. And it's just too early for you to start laying out these sort of uh, lines in the sand. And so he was unwilling to say, I definitely won't do that. But he also said, I'm just not, so we're clear, we're not doing that. So I'm sure that... Uh people will understand that nuance yeah i mean it, and 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 then a week later she holds a press conference saying uh you know let's oppose this um i think she called it track and tax scheme ah that's so, better than fee way yeah so you know they're, they're still pursuing it and i and you know that that seems to me to actually be a more uh a more reasonable difference of opinion, which is just to say, like, here's a very specific thing that is being discussed that I'm not in favor of than what was happening before, which was, I think, was kind of taking what you want out of a very vague pot and then building a whole political argument around it. Right. Thanks for listening to the Voice of San Diego podcast. Be sure to keep an eye on the podcast feed. Coming soon, we'll have a bonus episode with immigration reporter Maya Krishnan. She's been in Honduras, and she went to find out why more people from that country are coming to the U.S. and uh, what kind of networks they pulled on to get here. That will be coming soon. I'm Scott Lewis, Editor-in-Chief. Andrew Keats is Assistant Editor. Sarah Libby is Managing Editor. And this show was produced by Nate John, Adriana Heldes, and Megan Wood. We will talk to you next week. Do we think we had a satisfactory, adequate show? I think it was adequate. It was adequate, yeah. So I should feel good then. <laughs>